This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, July 1st. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, Doug Blair talks with Michael Rivera, a father of two from Loudoun County, Virginia. Rivera is an outspoken advocate against critical race theory and other radical leftist policies that are being promoted by the Loudoun County School Board. The father joins the Daily Signal podcast to discuss how these leftist policies have affected him and his children, as well as what he and other parents are doing to fight back. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now, on to our top news. The director for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Rochelle Walensky, says that fully vaccinated people are protected against the COVID-19 variants and do not need to wear a mask. During an interview Wednesday with NBC's Today, Walensky said, if you are vaccinated, you are safe from the variants that are circulating here in the United States. The question of mask wearing arose again this week when Los Angeles County health officials and the World Health Organization said that even fully vaccinated people should wear a mask in public indoor spaces due to the rise of the Delta variant. Walensky said that she recognizes that local policymakers need to make policies for their local environment. On Wednesday, President Joe Biden issued directives on addressing wildfires out west, announcing that the administration will have annual briefings as wildfire season starts. We know this is becoming a regular cycle and we know it's getting worse, Biden said in a briefing via the Hill. The truth is we're playing catch up. This is an area that's been under-resourced, but that's going to change if we have anything to do about it. Biden added, wildfires are not a partisan phenomenon. We need a coordinated, comprehensive response as we want to know what you, the states and localities and tribal governments, those on the front lines, are facing in this danger and what you think would help the most. Four more bodies have been found in the rubble of the Miami condo collapse as of Wednesday afternoon. The death toll now stands at 16. Human remains were also found among the rubble. 147 people are still unaccounted for. More than 200 people are still working to uncover bodies in the rubble. Miami's top prosecutor, Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, says she will request an investigation into the building's collapse and will request that our grand jury look at what steps we can take to safeguard our residents without jeopardizing any scientific public safety or potential criminal investigations. Engineers from the National Institute of Standards and Technology say that their investigation into the collapse will take a very long time. The White House announced Tuesday that President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will visit the site of the tragedy today. The Miss Nevada crown has been given to a person who identifies as transgender for the first time. Catalina Enriquez, who is 27, was crowned at the South Point Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. In a Facebook post, Enrique said, Huge thank you to everyone who supported me from day one. My community, you are always in my heart. My win is our win. We just made history. Happy Pride. Now stay tuned for Doug Blair's conversation with Father Michael Rivera as they discuss critical race theory and the promotion of other leftist ideology in our public school systems. 
Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear lectures from some of the biggest names in American politics? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These events are free and open to the public. To find the latest Heritage events and to register, visit heritage.org events. My guest today is Michael Rivera, a father of two from Loudoun County, Virginia, and an outspoken advocate against the proposed leftist policies in the county schools. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're, uh, that the, the media is actually looking into everything that's going on. Definitely. Well, we definitely wanted to talk to you about this. And we actually met for the first time at an anti-CRT rally uh, in Loudoun County where you gave a speech denouncing critical race theory. And I was so uh, moved by that speech that I wanted to talk to you on the podcast. So my first question for you, Michael, is can you explain to us what's going on specifically in Loudoun County and how parents like you are responding to it? Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm a little embarrassed because I'm kind of late to the game. I just got involved in the last probably four to six weeks. Apparently, the school board has been contracting out to uh, the Equity Collaborative to the tune of close to half a million dollars for critical race theory-based training. So the important thing to note is that they keep saying they're not teaching critical race theory or using it. Um, I think there's a lot of bait and switch in terms of terminology. So when I refer to critical race theory, I'm referring to all of the derivatives and all of the other names that they use. And what I found out is that the Loudoun County School Board has been completely ignoring the cries from the parents in Loudoun to stop teaching this this toxic indoctrination to our children. Uh, and, and all that parents really wanted to begin with was a dialogue so that we can compromise and talk and understand what's going on. But uh, as you can see from the last school meeting, which occurred, uh, I believe it was last week, uh, it's only gotten more and more contentious um, to the point where they basically ended the meeting and cut off all speech from parents. It does seem like this is something that the school board is explicitly trying to deny or uh force the parents out to to not have to deal with this. Um, one of the things that I was actually really struck about with your speech was when you talked about how CRT had affected your kids. Um, you talked about how your children were biracial and that since your son resembles his mom, who is white, um, he supposedly has white privilege and that your daughter, who resembles you, so she looks a little more Hispanic, does not. Um, have you found that this has affected how they're taught or treated by their teachers at the school? I'm not. I'm not sure, but it gives me it gives me concern to know that that's kind of the premise under which the teachers and the administrators are operating. And as I delve more into the actual academic uh, writings of critical race theory, um, to be honest, it gets more and more concerning and scarier because um, it doesn't seem like there is any point at which there is atonement for being an oppressor or if there is any, any way to resolve the issues that are supposed to be systematic without essentially tearing down all of the social constructs and all of the norms and government and education. But I don't see the end game, and um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like the end game is going to benefit anybody, and it's definitely not going to benefit our children. Definitely. It's one of those topics that really affects the kids in a way that I don't think we completely 
can explain to people where it's like this is something that's so bad, but you know they're just not listening. So on a similar note to that, how your children are treated, uh, what have you noticed as a parent that is happening in the schools that reinforces critical race theory or some of the other far left policies? I know we've mentioned a little bit like these are things that are kind of explicitly taught by teachers, but can you give some of our listeners an example of something you've observed that raises a red flag in the school system? Absolutely. So what kind of caught my eye was um, a video that uh, my wife brought to my attention, and it would have it would have snuck in under the radar had she not been fairly diligent about reading some of the emails from the school. And it was a um, kind of a cartoonish video that started off with uh, some professionals, and they were all depicted as white persons: uh, doctor, lawyer, uh, police officer. And the video went on to demonize them for being white and and discussing stats about how the little black girl is not going to be successful as the little black boy Mm. uh, and how um, the black girl is going to have less opportunities in college. When she gets a job, even if it is the same job, she's going to make less money than, um, you know, the white boy in college or the white girl in college. Um, And it was, I mean, it was a little disheartening that, you know, a 13-year-old is looking at this. And then recently, as of a couple of weeks ago, Um, we get a weekly email from the principal that says, hey, these are the things that we're going to be discussing in like a homeroom setting. And uh, the first topic on Monday, so the email goes out Friday, and you have no recourse to call anybody and Mm. let them know that you prefer your child not to be in. The first video Monday morning was one of the teachers discussing gender pronouns to the kids. And so all I can imagine is what do kids think when someone says, I'm not a he or a she, I'm a they or a them, uh, and they don't have any basis to form that, uh, that, um, that idea because their, their minds just aren't developed to understand um, more complex um, ideas of gender curiosity. So it almost sounds like, in addition to the critical race theory stuff, they are trying to insert more of the gender, transgenderism policies into the school system as well. Oh, absolutely. And policy 8040 is the Loudoun County proposed policy for um, transgender students, uh, whereby whatever gender a child decides to pick, the teachers are to refer to that child by their preferred pronouns. Uh, Boys deciding to be girls can go into the girls' bathroom and vice versa. What I found interesting is that we're not hearing a lot of problems about girls going into boys' bathrooms, mm-hmm. but the exact opposite. Uh, and I'm, I'm also not hearing anyone really standing up for girls' and women's rights with respect to, to bathrooms and privacy and, and locker, and especially in sports. You know, how does this affect uh, young, young ladies in sports that fought so long to get equality in sports and have their own program, and all of a sudden now you have a biological male competing in your sport. Right. And all of this actually brings to mind uh, a case that came out of Loudoun County recently with uh, PE teacher Tanner Cross, where Tanner was basically suspended from school for expressing his uh, discontent with a proposed policy that would force teachers to refer to students by their their preferred gender pronouns. So if a, a man said, I want to be referred to as a girl, the teacher would have to do that or face consequences. So 
That actually leads me to my next question, where we have all these stories about the ongoing fights between the school board and parents that are basically saying enough is enough. We don't want this in our school systems. But I haven't really heard too much about how the students feel. I'm curious if you have any insight on maybe what your kids have said about what's going on in school or if their friends have said anything. What do the students feel about this? My uh, my son hasn't really said anything um, about it. I think he, it's interesting because I was talking to him the other day and I started discussing um, gender curiosity and some of the things and how people are trans. And, um, and I noticed that he got very quiet. Mm. And then sh- shortly after, you know, I said, hey, do you have any questions? Um, and I didn't, I didn't uh, throw all the gory details in there, but I wanted him to sort of get a baseline for what's being discussed and he came out to me and said you know you know uh uh papa uh, the reason i got quiet is is because i'm uncomfortable discussing that Mm. and so that a light bulb went on in my head thinking well if he's uncomfortable with his father and his mother discussing this how is he supposed to feel in front of strangers talking about these things uh especially since you know it's it's a sensitive topic and also, you know, his friends, he doesn't pick friends by color. He right. doesn't pick friends by nationality. And so I can only imagine that the things he's not telling me is an indication that, you know, he's, he's sort of uh, grinning and bearing his way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we try and educate him as much as possible. Definitely. I mean, it definitely seems as if the the difference between having these conversations at home and having these conversations in your school are, are night and day. So seeing as we focus a little bit on the issues that are cropping up in Loudoun County right now, I want to take some time to highlight some of the good things, some of the positive steps. So would you be able to highlight some of the positive steps that parents are taking in Loudoun County to hold the school board accountable and some advice that you might have for other communities across the country that are grappling with these same radical school boards? Well, um, as everybody keeps saying, you know, uh, unfortunately, Loudoun County's in the spotlight, but I look at the national scene and there are a lot of parents doing similar things in New Jersey, Nevada, uh, New York, um, and getting up and speaking. Uh, and, and these are parents that are not white parents. They're, there's black parents, there's Asian parents. Uh, in Nevada, they were looking to put cameras in the classrooms. Mm. In New Jersey, they had originally, uh, and, and so this is all part of a larger issue of political school boards sort of taking liberties and, and going off the deep end in terms of a, a, um, a wokeness. Right. Um, fortunately, here in Loudoun, we've got a lot of parents that are um, emboldened by everything that's happening. And and to be honest, we're not giving up. There, there are a lot of rallies going on. There's a lot of talking going on. And and the, sad, the real sad part of it all is, you know, a lot of people might have been uh, – not paying attention to the election, and mm. myself included, I always thought, uh, well, it's going to sort of take care of itself. The school board will do the right thing, uh, and it's not it's not that consequential. And I think, uh, as someone said in the news, that um, all of these political boards acting the way they are have awoken a sleeping giant, and this is not gonna this is not going to go away. It's not going to end. And I tell you, our goal is to remove the school board 
so that we can get people in there that we can hold accountable and that we can vet and that are and do not function as uh, political puppets because um, um, that's that's where we are today. There is no representation of all of Loudoun in the school board and. As the Democrats would say, elections have consequences, and mm. we're we're suffering those consequences right now. Right. So, moving on from that, we see that the giant is awake now. Right. We've we've awoken the sleeping giant. We've acknowledged that these school boards are doing things that for, that had previously been sort of hidden, and now that we're taking advantage of the fact that we're paying attention, we're going to move on it, and we're going to stop this from happening. What do you consider a success? for your full efforts in Loudoun County? Is it the removal of these radical actors from the school boards? Is it changing the curriculum? What is the end game here? Well, while I feel uh, very strongly and passionate about the school board, um, in the grander scheme of things, this is small potatoes because we need to start looking at um, local elections, state elections, and national elections because um, just recently the fact that the National Archives uh, declared, I think in the last 48 hours, that their their racial equity committee, which no one ever knew existed, deemed the rotunda and the display of the Founding Fathers documents to be racist and that something needed to happen there is an indication that this, this type of woke, critical race theory type of thinking is coming from the highest office in the nation. Uh, and and I, I honestly believe that our country is at stake. It's not it's not just the school boards. It is it is all of the politicians. And, and we really need to get uh, motivated and get out there and vote. And so I try and send a message to people that you don't have an option to ignore your vote. And if you say you don't like what's going on and you sit home, you just basically gave away that vote. And also for conservatives to vote more cohesively mm. um, and, and make sure that we get the right candidates in office. I think that's some really good advice, some solid advice. Now, Michael, we are running a little bit out of time, so I want to leave uh, the last point to you. What do you think is the most important things that listeners should take away from this interview? And then maybe a little more specifically, what should those listeners who have kids themselves and want to protect those kids from these radical proposals what should they be doing? What should they be taking away from this interview? Well, we're, uh, I wrote down some notes at a, a prior event that the only reason we are here is because of COVID and distance learning. Mm -hmm. had, there, had, had there not been any distance learning and parents looking over the shoulders of their kids, uh, we'd probably be a year or two into this and no one would have ever noticed. So my, my advice to people is to wake up, get involved, and start asking questions. But it, it, it takes a little bit of effort, uh, and it gets you out of your comfort zone, but we all need to become activists, especially when it involves our, our children and our family. Solid advice. That was Michael Rivera, a father of two from Loudoun County, Virginia, and an outspoken advocate against the proposed leftist policies in Loudoun County. Thanks so much for your time, Michael. Thank you very much for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. 
It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.